Hello and welcome to Movie Ghoul Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This Ghoul Round entry is Around the World. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for the fourth of five movie go movie ghoul round. Even I almost messed it up there. Episodes this October 2021. It is our third year in a row doing movie ghoul round, and we are so excited about it. And next week, you guys are voting, but we'll get to that in a moment. I'm just very excited about this awesome marathon that we do every single year. But Nicole Davis, how are you? I'm good. I um, ate already. Sorry to everybody after me but yeah. i ate i only had one burrito i swear okay that's 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 reasonable i don't know this uh, joke fell flat i'm cutting it out never mind <laughs> david luzader are are you being kind to the people on the levels beneath you why would i they're the people beneath me uh yes. the people above me are not kind to the people to me uh we will talk all about that and much more in this episode where we discuss the platform it came out in 2019. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a Spanish film, correct? Yep. Cool. Hence it being eligible for Around the World. Before we talk about it, I do want to go ahead and remind folks that next week is You Did This to Us. This is like the most fun You Did This to Us of the year. And you, by the time you're is listening it? to this, <laughs> we'll see. It's Halloween themed. <laughs> That means the audience went ahead and voted online on what they wanted us to watch. It all had to be spooky-themed. It could be horror or thriller or Halloween-themed, whatever it may be. It did have to fall within that umbrella. That way, it was eligible for movie Ghoul Round. You guys voted. It was on our social media. Unfortunately, you can't vote now because the voting is closed. But future me is going to tell you because he knows what we're going to be watching. Actually, it's omniscient future Nicole here, and we'll be watching 2002's spooky, scary Scooby-Doo. Thanks. Thanks so much. Alrighty, now back to the platform. In exchange for a accredited degree, quote-unquote, Goring volunteers for six months in a vertical prison. Sumptuous food is provided for the prisoners, but it is all on one platform that stops for two minutes on each level. Those on the top levels can gorge themselves, while those on the lower levels must eat the dregs if anything is left at all. Once a month, all the prisoners change levels, so everyone has a taste of starvation and a taste of plenty. Can Goring convince his fellow prisoners to cooperate for the good of everyone and ensure their collective survival? Or will the greed at the top threaten everyone's destruction uh david this is your pick for around the world ghoul round correct (laughs) why did you pick it i mean i picked it because to to peek behind the curtain here for the listener we had a conversation on this one of who's gonna take what topic or you know which uh, theme and i'm the horror challenged one of the of the podcast so i don't know as much um but i saw this movie and regardless of quality thought like oh there's a lot that we can discuss from this film and so uh i i threw this one in and uh here we are right on it is a netflix original so it's pretty easy to get on netflix or at least it was bought by netflix which i presume is the more accurate Mm -hmm. you know description of this um and then slapped with an original logo yeah it showed up at the toronto film festival and then netflix bought it Gotcha. Okay. And then I had seen this before and Nicole had not. Uh, so we're just going to dive right in though with just an overarching question. What is the fascination with the dystopian prison genre? Cause you're right, Nicole. This is very much a thing. You put this in our docket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen quite a few of them. Lockout is the one with the, the Guy Pierce movie. Guy Pierce, prison in space orbiting the earth what is the prison in space one? Oh, i was just about to ask okay lockout <laughs> you've got the other prison in space which is alien three you've got cube which is oh, cube mystery yeah. prison somewhere <sighs> you've got the the phantom zone superman you know superman's enemies well, locked in the phantom zone it's just like a mirror or is it or is it a whole other thing it's and then you've got the nice prisons like the village in the tv series the prisoner Wait, is the village a prison? I thought it was just yeah. 
I th- they always drag him back every time he escapes. Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen all of the village. It's why it's called The Prisoner, David. Eh, you're, that's requiring me to pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what's so, what, what is it with people like trying to make up different kinds of prisons in their heads to tell stories with? Well, I think this one, you know, they're obviously making some very, uh, very, strong statements i'm saying strong because like it's very obvious what this movie is about Mm. um on its sleeve but they wanted to do it in a way where they weren't just directly talking about it like the director didn't want to just have two people sitting down discussing why capitalism bad so you know (laughs) let's set it in a place like oh it's going to be in a, a building where the food passes down well okay what justification could we have for that in the world i don't know a prison sure sure i think it like creates this microcosm that like you can then tell the story you want and kind of just hand wave away inconsistencies or questions just by saying it's a it's a prison. Right. Yeah. It's a miniature version of society as a whole. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, a prison's a very I, I think both with with contemporary prison movies, if you want to look at stuff like, you know, Shawshank and the Green Mile, you know, your your classic prison movies, they establish a hierarchy of of the society within the prison. And you can do that on a fantasy scale in an even more dramatic way like they do here. And I think just prisons might lend themselves really well to that because that is kind of how prison can be. So that that would be my assumption. But also I think there's, there's an element of there's parts of escapism where we want to see the scary stuff that we hope to never be a part of and none of us ever want to go to prison but we love to watch stuff about people going to prison and i think that that's just like an inherent human desire to watch that sort of thing hmm. i don't know i'm not i'm not huge on prison <laughs> it's not something i seek out let's say let's put yeah. it that way yeah no that's fair um although you know the difference here i guess with dystopian you can add more interesting conditions Mm -hmm. to your prison like a traditional foucault type prison that we have in the states it's at least on the surface more equitable in that it fosters an us versus them right mentality where it's mostly the prisoners versus the guards and the administration whereas in this one in particular in the platform it's every person for themselves mm-hmm. essentially yeah. you could ally with the one other person on your level since it's only two people per level but even that gets thrown into question when you end up on a level so low that you don't get the food every day right right and, and also before we depart the subject another thing that comes to mind is that we like the whole concept of the you know people the underdog being locked into a horrific situation that they have to fight themselves out of i mean that's the basis for a lot of the dystopian young adult stuff that was really popular about 10 years ago you know uh, hunger games and maze runner and divergent and like all those things were centered squarely around like we're going to make kids fight each other <laughs> but they're going to have to do so because they're locked in a maze or a battlefield or I think the divergent ones were like you're part of like a Harry Potter school that kills each other, something like that. Uh, uh, it's worse. My point being is that this tracks for me in terms of the kind of movies that we tend to gravitate toward as a society in part. This one, obviously, a lot darker. This one is, you know, shockingly dark. Yeah, it's grim, man. Well, there's. <laughs> it is grim. And as David said, you know, one thing I noted in our docket is, you know, I think while this film is, I think, deeper than one might initially think. It's very easy to be like, oh, it's a platform. It goes up and down. And it's capitalism. Capitalism bad, like David said. I do think that it does have some more nuance, and we'll get into that. But it does whack you in the face with a sledgehammer every waking moment of the movie to let you know about its theme. And I kind of wonder if that's to its benefit. Well, I, I, especially at the start, you have... Oh, man, I can't remember the name of the the old man he was with for a time um oh trimagasi trimagasi who also like comes back to him in in his visions later on but he spends a lot of time especially early in the movie really going on about well like he's like spitting on the food as the platform goes down and garang's like why would you do that and he's like because i'm above them 
and probably the people above me did the same. So why shouldn't I do the same? And it is now in the context of the discussion, it's like, yeah, they're, they're really making sure you understand what we're talking about here. But then I think like, I think the discussion, it doesn't just stay like that the whole time. Like it gets the, you, yeah. you, the benefit of like having other people come into the same level as Goreng is like, you can kind of have different takes on the situation and see how different people like approach it rather than just like, let's have this conversation over and over again with the same two people for 90 minutes. Yeah. And I was concerned that this movie could get very boring just because it is inherently stuck in a literal box. And they, they do a pretty good job of, of navigating that. And it remains fairly compelling throughout its 90 minutes. But I do want to pose a question to us here at the beginning, which is I think it asks an initial question that's very important to the film and a little bit more than just that capitalism equals bad argument, which is if you're forced into this specific class or level of society, how do you handle yourself? Are your actions based purely out of self-preservation to the point of harming others like Termagasi? It's hard to tell if Termagasi in his tenure there was a little bit more like Goreng at some point, but if he was, it's been a very long time. Um, whereas Goreng initially wants to rebel from that system. He doesn't want to eat. He doesn't want to take part in this. It disgusts him. It bothers him. He wants to try to yell at people down beneath him to save food for the next person. And we don't know a version of this movie in which Goreng spends 30 years there and mm. what he turns into as a result of that. But I think the human desire to either inherently rebel or eventually succumb to that or to be selfish is very interesting. And each character in this movie handles it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you spend the most amount of time is on level one where it's establishing the world and establishing the prison system and the characters of Garang and Trimagasi. And you see that while Goreng is initially very, very resistant, he does eventually become, you know, kind of buddy-buddy yeah. with Trimagasi. You know, yeah. they they enjoy each other's company. He reads Don Quixote to him. I don't know what Trimagasi does for him. I forget. But Not you kill know, him with his self-sharpening not, knife. Right. <laughs> not kill him with his Samurai Plus but uh, or Samurai Max yeah. or whatever, the, which one it was. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, he falls into it because it's easy. You know, it's the the path of least resistance is to just immediately accept your circumstances and get the most enjoyment out of them that you can without thinking too hard about the people above you or the people below mm-hmm. you in the strata. Yeah, I actually really enjoy the the friendship between Gorang and Trimagasi that develops in the beginning of the film. Like, just that montage of what they do for the whole month with, like, that really bizarre music. The, the music over it just gives it this really interesting feel that I, that I really enjoy. Um, but I really like that it starts off. Trimagasi is very hostile and he hints that there's darker sides to all of this. But then, you know, a couple of weeks goes by and they're together and things are fine. They're getting food. They're okay. They start, he's throwing food into his mouth. They're becoming, but that just makes that like that scene then where they wake up on the, on the next level, uh, you know, 100, whatever, like just so much more impactful because it's like, Oh, Oh crap. Yeah. I think it's 171. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and there was never supposed to be more than 100 floors, which is how at least some of the folks that pitched this, you know, opportunity, quote unquote, uh to people. Well, that number gradually gets bigger, bigger and bigger yeah. as you go along. I think Goren goes in with the imp- I I'm not sure he has any impression of what the actual structure of the prison is yeah. when he goes in. I don't think anyone does. The interviewer surely that's doesn't. the confusing thing. Yeah. Trimagasi thinks there might be 
There could be as many as 150 because the lowest he's been on was like 130 something at some point. 130, yeah. And eventually he meets someone who says, you know, there are 200 levels. And then he discovers that there's more than that. And it just grows and grows and grows until it becomes a really horrific number. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you know that the large majority of the prisoners aren't getting any food at all any day Mm -hmm. so how big is the turnover at this prison how many people get out of it does anybody get out of it alive does anybody you know quote unquote graduate (laughs) from this prison okay the the whole societal points equals prison time thing made no sense to me in this movie Oh, it's kind of like Starship Troopers. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Where you got to earn your citizenship by sacrifice. Maybe this this pit of doom is preferable to, you know, crippling student debt. But it certainly seems like Goring is willing to go in there for, you know, an accredited degree of some sort. But, Nicole, you brought up a ton of good points here. You know, the execution of the platform feeding is set up to fail. Do you want to go through some of those? Well, I mean, once you realize how many, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, it turns out there's 333 levels to this prison with two prisoners per level. And it goes, 666. And even given the size of the platform, even with the piles of food they put on it, there's no way that's enough to feed 666 people a day. There isn't enough time for people to decide, okay, I need you know, X amount of protein, X amount of vegetables, or I had X yesterday, so I'll have Y today, or I'll only eat this much. I should only have so many ounces, and then be able to choose it and eat it carefully without making a mess. There's no paths to get to the food in the center of the platform without destroying stuff on the way. And there's stuff on the platform that's doesn't provide any nutritive value. There are these giant cakes taking up huge amounts of space on the platform that give you almost nothing in terms of what you need to live on. Now, to to the last one, don't they ask people as they're going in, what's your favorite food? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all made up of people's favorite foods. Right. But they don't explain that this is how the food's going to be delivered. I think everybody assumes when they go in that people are going to get, you know, little trays. Everybody gets a tray. (laughs) Right. Like every other institutional space you Mm -hmm. ever go to. Yeah. This is in discussions like this is where the movie doesn't break down, but it's doing that thing of like picking at the the premise a little bit. And it's like, oh, that doesn't hold up. Really? Uh, (laughs) But but I feel like it's it's effective enough for the narrative. And the fact the movie's only like 90 minutes long also helps with that. (laughs) But like yes. the longer it goes on, the more you don't might. think about it too long. Hey, there we go. We're done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's a platform. Uh, oh, look at that. Oh, we right. got to go. Uh, it's a message about a child. Okay. Bye. Oh, look, snails. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and, and I think there's also an element here. This is another one of those nuances I quite like, which is it's very easy to make this movie and not have them rotate on a monthly basis. And I mean, that adds to the terror because you never know where you're going to be next. But aside from that, you know, you do have this, this element where you could be at the top at any point, you'd be at the bottom the next moment. And that's this slightly more complex idea that they're trying to explore in terms of how the people on the top act when they're on the top versus Mm -hmm. having experienced the bottom and how quick they are to forget the bottom or vice versa. And how the people at the very, 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 very top, which are the people who are not even in the in the prison, you know, the people who are the elite that are quibbling over what to put on these trays. Because, like, there's one chef that's, like, freaking out about that one dish. I can't remember. What's the name of the dish that goes up to the top at the end? The panna cotta. Yes. Yeah. And, and he, like, wants it perfect as if, like... As if it matters. Three people might end up seeing this thing before it's destroyed. <laughs> but his idea, his reality is so different than everyone beneath him. But I, I do like that idea that it switches on people. I think that makes this a little bit more of a dynamic story. So there's something with that scene of when he's examining it. And this is kind of going to be digging into the end of the movie. So I don't know if we want to like save it or if I just dig into it right now. Um Go for it. You don't save anything on the platform. You dig right in. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, while I have the chance, I guess. Um, 
Right. So at the end of the movie, they ride down and they get to the very, very bottom. And Gorang um, is starving and injured and, and probably dying. And uh, they discover the child that Maharu has been, been searching for this whole time. And they put the child on the platform. And there's that whole, like, this message requires no bearer. And it goes back up. And it's kind of like, oh, that's, like, weirdly hopeful, I guess. But... One of the most common interpretations is there's that scene where the chef is freaking over the panna cotta, and that really is what got sent back up, that he did preserve that to the very end. And Oh, they think that's a flash forward? And yeah, so that goes up, and that's the message of like, oh, there's the untouched dish, like, see whatever the point was they were trying to make. It's got a hair in it, so nobody would touch it. But it's... I gotcha. it's yeah, exactly. It's totally, it's not interpreted. It is, it is, there must have been something wrong with this. That is the only explanation and the message is not received. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Because that's always been my problem with this movie is that it relies entirely on, we'll show them the people that put us in prison. And I can't ever imagine the message being received in any capacity they meant it to be. Exactly. Right. Whereas also the people on level zero aren't the ones who put them in this prison. They're... Right. You can think of them as a parallel to wealthy philanthropists who do some things and provide some wonderful... um, And I'm not saying this doesn't have value, but (laughs) just as an example of something that bypasses the most basic of needs. It's like... A horseback riding camp for inner city youth kind of thing. It's like, oh, we provide this through our charity, and that's wonderful, but it doesn't meet people's basic everyday needs. But it helps the philanthropists feel real good about themselves, that they would support something like that. Or it's like, here's a gala that's going to support various charitable things. And so the wealthy can go on being wealthy and enjoying their life and feel like they're working hard to help other people when really they still have no idea of how bad things are underneath them. Right. But they get to have their cake and eat it too. They get to give away while still enjoying all of their privilege. Do you guys think there is a intended Jesus part of this movie? Like, is Goring supposed to be our platform Jesus? I mean, don't, doesn't they, they call him the Messiah a couple of times, don't they? Somebody does? Well, I guess they do, yeah. I mean, yes, he, you know, he looks a little Jesus-y. He's got the beard and the mustache and the sort of drawn <laughs> face of the classical Western depictions of Jesus. But he's also... Is he's it, not white enough for that, but yeah. Yeah, and he's trying to convince people to be nice to each other, which is something that Jesus was kind of famous for. <laughs> it's true. And to give to people who have less than you. And- but also to uproot to uproot a, a problematic system, right? Like the whole, yeah. his Jesus-y Jesusness, his Jesus-y Jesusness in this movie is very much like Jesus flipping over the tables and the, you know, the coin counters area of Jerusalem. Like to me, like he is uprooting a long-standing institution inside of this platform that seems to have just been working the way it has. For a really long time. Right. right. But, I mean, he's also Don Quixote, which is also not subtle. Nope, not, <laughs> not at all. No, it is not. They send him in with a book. <laughs> so, apparently, the, the main actor, and I, I don't want to butcher the man's name. Um, it's, you know, Yvonne something. But I got the M. Debo right here. <laughs> um, Yvonne Masage. Yvonne Masage. Uh, yes. If, if, if that's wrong... Uh, Send all of your letters to Nicole, please. Um, but apparently, <laughs> he is a comedic actor in Spain. Really? Yeah, him and the the woman that he was with on the on his platform. They both are like known for being for being comedians, and they were cast against type here to help kind of lighten the film's uh, stuff at times, just because of like generally how they are. And um, I don't want to know if I want to see the version of this movie where it's not lightened up by those two, because I got to say, I wasn't ever particularly laughing at anything yeah, that right. was happening. So it might have been a bit of an ironic smirk here and there, but that's about it. <laughs> I th- yeah. 
Exactly. I, I probably it might have landed like more in Spain if you like know who that is. And it's like, oh, it's like crazy to see them doing this thing. Right. right. Right, which is where this is the first time I've seen either of these actors in anything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's also an element to this movie where, you know, getting back to that, that message of sending the child up at the end, I have read interpretations where by having a child go up, forget the pastry, by having a child go up, the people that see the child are like, oh, shit, there's kids in there. Because it is made very clear that, that at least through the, the eyes of the interviewer, when she shows up later on in the movie that she had no idea that she was sending people to their deaths. You know, she was under the impression this was a hundred floors and that there'd be food. And she was naive, naive enough to bring a dog with her. And she's like, Oh, I'll eat one day. He eats the other day. And like, and, and then in one of the most tragic scenes of the movie, just horrific, she hangs herself when she realizes she's, at what, 222 or like a very deep floor in the 200s because she realizes that it is so much deeper and so much more horrific than she was ever told. And there is this element where the administration doesn't cue everyone in, into operating this, how it actually works. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that perhaps, I don't know, if perhaps a child goes up and they're like, oh, wait, there's kids in there? Because I know at some point they believe there's not kids in there. Right. So that has something to do with it, too. Well, they, they, she says no one under 16. There's no one under 16 in the, right. in the hole. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure none of the cooks think there are children down there. I mean, do the cooks even know what goes on in there? I doubt it. I was about to say, though, like, the, the people who are putting the food to go down the platform are obviously very clear that that's not a good thing happening in that room, in that giant tall room. So I don't know if they'd receive the message particularly poignantly. The other question I have is, is where this is because you never see the outside of the hole, but it's alluded to that fact that it might actually not necessarily go underground because there are rays of light at certain areas, unless that's artificial. So if, if this is like a giant standing thing, maybe like the first, hundred levels are up in the air and it's this weird societal experiment that everyone knows about and they know they can volunteer themselves to go in and then none of them realize how deep it goes. But if this thing's like 300 stories tall, then everyone in town should know that this is a bad idea. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult to say because it's such a theoretical construct. I mean, there's no obvious method by which the platform goes up and down. It doesn't look like it's suspended by anything. Mm -hmm. Magnets. And why it has to go so fast on the way back up. Yeah. This is one of those things, again, where it's like if somebody was like, I've got an idea for a prison. It's a hole. goes all the way down. It's a platform of food. Like, nobody's going to sign off on that. Yeah, why don't they just cut the cable to the platform, yeah. you know, kind of thing. <laughs> no, no cables. <laughs> the, the zoning would be terrible on this. I mean, <laughs> the permits involved alone. You're not zoned to be 200 floors into the earth. 300. Right. right. Uh, so, and I guess as long as I'm doing my whole, my whole poking, because I, I, I do like this movie, and I, I, but I think that, hell, it's our job to do that right now. Uh, Mirahu, is it Mirahu? How do you pronounce her name? Miharu. Miharu. Um, so that's the, the mother that is traveling up and down in search of her daughter, who we later, you know, find at the very end of the movie. Or she says her son. Or no, oh. Trimigasi says that she's looking for her son. That's right. right. But it, it's alluded she doesn't talk very much. You know, information could pretty easily. Right. It's alluded she's mute. I mean, so. There's also that. Well, either she's mute or she doesn't speak Spanish. Right. I mean, it's implied that the child at the end is who she's searching for. But, um, if the child's real. So my question is like, they have the ability to penalize people if they hold on the food, right? They can freeze them out yes. or, or burn them out or whatever. Why is she allowed to just go ape shit up and down 333 floors all the time? Because it seems like they wouldn't want that happening, except she's just constantly going up and down killing people. Because the rule is don't take the food. She's doing their work for them. I, I guess. I, if that's the only rule, I guess she's technically not breaking yeah, one. I, well, I mean, it becomes clear that it's totally okay for the prisoners to kill each other. Yeah. Oh, definitely. At any time and yeah. by any means. And that it's okay for them to kill themselves if they want. You know, every month after the floor changes, several people jump down the hole that the platform goes through. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. No, that's fair. Maybe it's just maybe it's not part of the rules that she's allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, the interesting and creepy 
like the added creepy element I found, like to, it's just kind of icky and weird and makes you think more is when Goreng and Trimigasi start out on level 48, and there are people who jump from above them, and those are people who get fed every day. They even get their choice of what to eat. You know, there are choices for them to make mm-hmm. on the food that comes down. Yeah. And some of them jump. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, Termagasi talks about it. He says that when you're up there, you don't have, you don't have something to look forward to. All that there is for the people below is the food arriving. So when you're up there, you know, you're alone with your thoughts. And if you're like Trimagasi and you've you've killed and eaten a man, you know, you've, yeah. done, you, you've probably done some things. You've been in some lower levels. And then if you go up there and you have to live with what you've done, you know, some people might take the, the trip. Oh, the flesh scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where, where, you know, uh, Trimagasi is just pulling Goreng apart like a rotisserie chicken from the deli. And it's just not okay. Mm. No, and then, no, not okay. And then, After starving him for a week so he can be purged of all his waste products before he gets eaten so that he will taste better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and even worse, a Goring then has to turn around and eventually eat him. Well, uh, while he's like infested <sighs> with maggots. Oh, I hate that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you notice he tries to eat those first oh. before he actually eats the flesh of Trimagasi? <sighs> Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> how, do how do the Trimagasi visions go over for you guys? Because I don't know if I love them. His weird, like, you know, at forced cannibalistic, you know, visions. And part of me wondered the first time I saw this, like, is the kid even real? Like, or is the kid just this weird, you know, apparition of a dying man? And I still don't know if that's entirely off base, but I don't know if we need ghost Trimagasi. I don't know. What do you guys think? Mm, he's the devil sitting on his shoulder. Right. Yeah. So I think it I think it works. But uh, speaking of which, this whole thing, the whole thing could not be real. The whole thing could be it could be hell. It could be limbo slash hell. You know, it could be purgatory. His name is and you put the, I think you put the Sarah docket, you know, his name is Gorang. Like there are some very purposely chosen names. Yes. In this right. Like Gorang means fried. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And and Trimagasi means thank you. In Indonesian, that I I wasn't able to find out why oh, most Indonesian. The, yeah, I don't. Most of the names are like Indonesian and Miharu. So Miharu is Japanese for beauty, but I thought it was guard watcho. The rest of them, yeah, Goreng Goreng means fried, and it could tie into. Uh, there was a Spanish expression that I thought I wrote down. Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> Al freir de los huevos lo verá. When the eggs have been fried, you will see. When all is said and done. The proof's in the pudding. We'll see what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So he is he's going to be changing the result. He's going to be the, what will be the result of his journey, I guess. Well, I, I see him as, you know, this, they have this generational thing in the movie where, you know, Trimagasi is the, the older man who is hardened to the system and doesn't seek to change it, but rather to just persevere within it, no matter the cost. Mm-hmm. And then you have Goreng, who is the, the younger man who comes in, who sees the failures of the system and wants to change them. And then you have a child at the end, an even younger generation that is supposed to be the, you know, the, the saving grace or, you know, whatever of all of it that could, you know, hopefully upend the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So they definitely play with the, you know, the generate like societal change through generations. Like they play with that unsubtly among many things in this movie, but it, it works. Yeah. I think like that's, that's you know, this movie, this movie does work. Yes. I think it's delivering the message that it wants to deliver. Yeah. Uh, it's not like perfect because, you know, as, as we've seen, like, then you start being like, well, yeah, but why? But while you're watching it in like the conversations that you could have about its subject matter, I think it's a, it's effective enough. It's a very well envisioned thought experiment. Yeah. I think about society, right. like what, what could we actually do to change? What would work? 
how would you convince somebody who's been, say, suffering on the lower levels for four months, who suddenly gets the opportunity to feast? How do you convince them to ration themselves Mm -hmm. after they've been deprived for so long so that everybody below them can eat? How do you convince the people above who haven't suffered yet? How do you convince them that... No, you really do need to, you know, they say, oh, no, look at all of this. Of course I can eat whatever I want. There'll be plenty left. You know, how do you convince them that they really do need to ration it out? Yeah. How do you make a change? I think it's to the movie's benefit that it doesn't try to answer a lot of these questions. Mm -hmm. Um, That it's just like, look, this hole exists. People are in it. Platform comes down every day for two minutes. If you take food, whatever. Like it just says, here's the premise. This is what we're going with. Here's the story we want to tell rather than like, you know, Goring being like, but what they told us and here's how it works. Here's how I, it's just like, nope, it's just here's how it is. Okay, great. Boom. Let's go. If it tried to like spend time answering it, it's going to have to do so many just insane leaps of logic to get to this yeah. point. And it's it's really better for it just to say it's a 300 level hole in the ground of food of a platform of food goes down every day two people per level off to the races i think it does very effectively communicate though that it's how difficult it is to change Mm -hmm. an entrenched system because people get used to it yeah Uh, or they're when they're in the lowest levels just trying they're just spending all their energy trying to survive yeah and they don't have energy to spare to try to convince everybody else to change the system for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I jokingly put in our docket, I think Ronald Reagan may have been wrong. Because <laughs> there is a, there's a trickle down ele- element of this. You oh, know, sure. Nicole's saying, Nicole's talking all about, you know, if you're at the top, you need to remember to, you know, save stuff for the people at the bottom. And the, like the whole idea that, you know, that Reagan essentially proposed in the eighties was no, we can have these tax cuts and we can have these opportunities for corporations because that does trickle down to the common man. And that is a largely debunked economic theory at this point in time. Yeah. But certainly something at play here a little bit, which I I thought was interesting. Um, why are people allowed to volunteer for this again? <laughs> and what is what is the point? What does that do for society to let people go in there again? It's it's to the movie's benefit that it just is. <laughs> because you're right. Because why do they allow this? And you like bet on it, kind of. It's almost like you you know you like you kind of hedge against yourself and say like if I stay in here three months versus six months, I can get a master's or something like that. Like it's. The longer you stay, it seems like the better benefit you might reap in whatever bizarre contract you're signing yourself into. Well, again, that raises the question, though, of does anyone get out? Mm -hmm. Because if they did get out, wouldn't they tell everybody what's going on in here? Right. And But then also, wouldn't people be like, wow, no one's come out of this program. (laughs) No one has these degrees. Don't know. Yeah. Again, thinking too hard. <laughs> maybe it's a very new program. Yeah, maybe it's very new. That's the, the one thing that I would have liked them to expand on is what was the a viewpoint of the people in the outside world? Because Gorang seems very surprised that there are criminals in here. Uh, yeah. So I, I would be fascinated to see what is supposed to be the public perception of the whole. I agree with that completely. The one thing I'm happy that's not in it, though, is like the big bad of the administration. And there's a bunch of old white guys in suits sitting around a table <laughs> talking about how they have to fulfill their quota for the number of people killed in the hole this month. Like, I'm glad they didn't take that route. <laughs> they leave that unexplained. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, that makes sense to me because I think most people feel very removed from the people at the top of the chain from the people who have the most power i know i often will you look at problems in society and you're like how can i fix it from where i am or how can i convince the people who you know i don't have the power to change this thing or that thing or the next thing certainly not by myself so can't, what happens if I can't convince somebody who does have the power to do it? What if I can't convince them to? Then what? Do we just live with it? Yeah. What happens next? Right. Oh, great questions. 
So, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're not going to answer them here, and neither will the platform. But I guess to, to, as we start to round our discussion out, what is going to stick with you guys most about this film? I'd be curious to hear everyone's answer on that, because I do think it's a poignant film, albeit obtuse at times in, its, in what it's trying to tell you. But I, I do think there's several pieces of this movie that are, are going to stick with me for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think, number one, yes, it does bonk you over the head with the capitalism is bad, bad, <laughs> a lot. But I think what it's left me with most is... Wow, this is a really effective way of pointing the the middle strata at one another because they don't feel like they can reach the top and they don't even think about the people below them. Mm-hmm. They're all <sighs> it's it's a fairly effective way of keeping people if not where they are then within a limited scope of where they of how high they can get in society and how low they can fall. And I guess the other thing is just how gruesome it gets <laughs> because people get desperate. You know, your survival instinct kicks in at all costs. You get hunger makes you do unspeakable things or can if you allow it to. So, I mean, it gets real. <laughs> There's some things we see that are extremely unpleasant mm-hmm. and there are some levels where there are actually a lot of levels where both people are dead yeah and yeah. you kind of sit there and you got you have to try to figure out why both of them are dead why wouldn't it just be one right it's just it gets I real mean, grim. i mean people could surely just die of starvation you know oh sure but i mean if you've killed your cell your cellmate that gives you enough to survive on for a month if you're willing to do it if you're willing to do it if you're able to do it and you're yeah. willing to do it all great questions <laughs> but yeah um the so so the the director uh whose name is galder gaztelu oh give me a second Brad. stop stop <laughs> Just, i'm trying <laughs> read it read his name galder gaztelu urrutia <laughs> it's Basque. It's hard. I'll give you that. <laughs> cool, that guy. Um, so he, he, yeah, he did a he did an interview with Collider, and they they broke down their interview between uh, spoilery questions and non spoilery questions. And he's there. Oh God, are they like such directory answers? Mm. So what at what point you know someone asks him, will the message be received? And he says, that's something you have to ask society. Oh. It depends on whether we want to remain the most miserable species that has ever set foot on this planet. Is the child really the woman's? Was she born in the facility? I know this, but I'm not going to reveal it. Ugh. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, what are the administration's goals? That's a minor issue. What matters is that each of us do with the cards that we've got. This happens at the level that we are at. Of course, we have to protest our important justice, but are we going to keep shielding ourselves so that others, people or power structures, do it wrongly so that we don't have to do what we think we need to do? As I said before, this is a social self-criticism. I don't feel authorized to tell anyone what to do. The film only aspires to expose, not to indoctrinate or lecture. And then what I thought was most interesting is, you know, during the interview, the interviewer or Goring asks the interviewer if he's been accepted and what would be the reason for the administration to deny anyone from this process um, to which the director said quite simply Goring is meat for the platform. They'll accept him no matter what, but that way of approaching the, the interview by the administration makes it that access to the platform is shown as a great opportunity, a luxury to expire to aspire to. And we've all been through some job interviews like that is what he said. <laughs> That's pretty good. And then when asked if anyone really gets out, he just left the interview so and refused to tell them. So I'm assuming the answer is no. Those are pretty classic directory answers, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, I think the most interpretations are that he is that Goring dies, the girl isn't real, and the yeah. message never gets delivered. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's so... But I'm just wondering, is he is he dead when he goes in? Or is this actually a real place and mm. he dies, you know, in the attempt to distribute the food fairly? Interesting. 
Yeah, and I mean, I mean, we, we could really get dive deeper into the nitty gritty, and, and there's the fact that this child would seemingly never be alive at floor three, three, three. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, how is this kid alive? R- yeah, He's, exactly. Right. They pass two hundred. You know, they pass a good hundred floors where nobody's alive. Yeah, this is quite a movie. And if you've listened to this and haven't watched it, I'd still recommend checking it out. It's not for the faint of heart. It is not a fun Halloween movie night, much <laughs> like some of the other things in Movie Go Around. So you really got to sit down and dig deep into this one. But I, I think it's worth visiting. I uh, Any final thoughts from anyone on David's pick? Uh, Nicole, we'll start with you and then turn it over to David. Oh, golly. I mean, this is really well done. I th- I think, like you said, the real... The thing that really makes this interesting is the random shuffling of prisoners every month so that you maybe you'll be on floor six one month and then 176 the next month. What does that do to people? You know, how does that mess with the structures? And I that reminds me of the quote that America is full of a nation of there are no poor people, but just temporarily embarrassed millionaires (laughs) Um, or people are sure that somehow their fortunes are going to turn around somehow at some point. Uh Yep. And so they shouldn't act like poor people or, or they shouldn't believe that poor is a place where good people are permanently through no fault of their own that this is just a temporary situation if you're a good person and you work hard right but so just the ways that societal structures can make us focus on each other and not dismantling stuff from the top down yeah yeah absolutely uh david any any final thoughts on your pick no, it's, you know, it's not for the squeamish. We've talked about there's some cannibalism mm-hmm. and some some real rough violence. But, yeah, there's some gore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I I think it is a movie. I'm about to sound a little bit like an old man. But a lot of the discourse on the Internet feels like, you know, if a movie's not perfect in every way, then, like, you shouldn't watch it. Um, but I feel like there's, like, flaws with this film, absolutely. But I still think people should watch it and think about it and discuss it with people if you're able to. Absolutely. Uh, I want to close saying that this film, when it was picked up by Netflix for distribution on their platform, had been watched in over 56 million households in the first four weeks of its release, among the most ever of their original films. And I just want to call that out because I think we're seeing, and we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but the mechanism of Netflix both producing content and acquiring lots of content and content that was made fairly inexpensively. The the budget for this film is not known, but I can't imagine it's more than a couple million. I don't know. Yeah, it's not going to be much. That is allowing us on you know as a western audience, I think, to start being really excited about some international picks largely in their own native tongues. There is a dub on this, and the dub's actually not that bad. But you can watch it subtitled, and that's how it starts until you change it. I think that's awesome. And we're seeing that right now with Squid Games. And I hope that continues to be the trend with Netflix, because that might finally be the thing where, gosh, this movie, I remember everyone talking about it for a couple weeks on you know Twitter and whatnot, and my friends had seen it. And then now everyone's talking about Squid Games, and they're doing SNL skits on it. (laughs) And that just like doesn't happen normally with foreign language uh, pieces. So I'm hoping that happens more. When I've seen articles, I've seen articles going around saying that you really need to watch it with the subtitles because the dub isn't a completely accurate translation. Well, it's it's also there's two different subtitles in Squid Games. There's one that is the English simplified and one that is the direct subtitle. And the English simplified is really wrong because they go in and change the entire meaning of certain sentences. So if you want if you need to watch subtitles with it and not, you know, a dub, watch the regular one that just says English CC. And that's a problem. Hopefully Netflix will iron out because obviously oh, I it was the other way around. Maybe it's the other way around. I think it's the other way around where the closed caption ones that sh- that give you like, you know, thud right. in parentheses to, that I think that one's the set that's not accurate. But if you just go for okay. the dialogue translation, that that's the most accurate. We'll add in post. but 
Hey folks, editor Nicole popping in to clarify. According to an October 4th BBC News article, Korean speaker Youngmi Mayer criticized the closed caption subtitles of Squid Game, which include descriptions of sounds in the show as so bad that the original meaning of the dialogue is often lost and the viewers won't understand the symbolism of one of the characters due to the poor translation. She says the basic English language subtitles are substantially better, but that the misses in the metaphors and what the writers were trying to actually say are still pretty present. And now, back to Brett. But yes, uh, point, point being is I hope that that creates, you know, a space in which Netflix starts to care more about that sort of thing, right? More people watching foreign stuff is good. And th- that just makes me hopeful, because I remember when this movie came out a couple years ago and everyone was talking about it. So hopefully we get more and more of that. If anything, that's very exciting. But I think that'll do it for myself, David, and Nicole. Let's go around the horn one last time. Nicole, where can people find you online? I'm Nicole underscore Davis on Letterboxd. Very good. And what about you, David? Davlas. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Also, because this is also coming out this month, uh, if you want to go on over to Hit Me One More Time, we are watching the Halloween Town films and discussing those nice. uh, all month long. So check it out. Love it. Very good. All right. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. Hi. That's hi at mgrpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts on the platform or anything else that we are watching for Movie Ghoul Round. Uh, we, a reminder, we're watching You Did This to Us next week. It is the last Movie Ghoul Round. It's coming out right out. Is it on Halloween? Yes, it's on Halloween. On Halloween Day, you're going to have the opportunity to watch it or listen and watch with us. But check in the show notes for what that film is going to be. But that'll do it for the three of us. We'll see you next week with the next Movie Ghoul Round.